the average office worker receives 121 emails each day. The average United States of America American is exposed to between 4,000 and 10,000 ads each day. That's five times what it was in the 1970s. The average social media user in the world spends two and a half hours on social media each day. China, not surprisingly, has the largest number of social media users with 1.02 billion. India comes in second with 722 million users, and the United States comes in third with 302 million social media users. Our population is right around 332 million. 302 million. Worldwide, the average person spends six hours and 58 minutes online each day. Worldwide. That's the average. People in Japan spend the least amount of time online, four hours and six minutes. People in South Africa lead the pack with 10 hours and 46 minutes online each day. And where did I get these statistics? Online. Now I ask you, what does all of this do to us? These messages, these emails, these ads, social media, and let alone cable news outlets. What is the consumption of all these messages doing to you, to your loved ones, to your most important relationships? I'll tell you what it's doing. It's transforming you. It's discipling you. And through you, it's likely discipling others as well. And if all of these other messages get our attention and take that much time in our lives, what chance do any of us have of being shaped by the things that make for faithfulness and righteousness and justice and peace and love? Last week I introduced you to the overall theme of this series, one thing that we're engaging in. And I did it by briefly looking at Psalm 27, verse 4, which says again, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. King David, the author of Psalm 27, says that there is one thing he's after, and then he uses three verbs to get to that one thing, to dwell, to gaze, and to seek. And during this series, we will look at Psalm 27. We will use it as sort of a a launching point as well to look at other passages throughout Scripture that echo each of these three verbs in three successive movements. This morning, we begin the first movement, dwell. The Hebrew word translated as dwell in Psalm 27, verse 4, is yashav. It can mean to dwell, to inhabit, to abide, to remain, to sit, to stay. So for David to say that the one thing he asks of the Lord, the one thing he seeks is to dwell in God's house all the days of his life, he means that he wants to abide there, he wants to remain there, he wants to live there always. How are you and I to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives? If we turn from Psalm 27 to our passage for today in Psalm 1, we find the word yeshav is there too. The psalmist sets up the comparison between two ways of living. The first verse speaks of the way of the wicked. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Here the Hebrew word yeshav is translated as sit. As in the one who does not sit in the company or the seat of the mockers. The one who does not dwell in the company of mockers is blessed. The psalmist gives us two possible ways we can go into the world. The way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. This is most evident in the last verse of Psalm 1 verse 6. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Two ways of being, two ways of existing, two ways of living in the world day by day. The opening verses, you may have noticed, are a progression. The blessed person, the blessed person is defined by what he or she does not do. They do not walk in step or in the counsel of the wicked. They do not stand in the way of sinners and they do not sit in the company of mockers. The one who is not blessed, walks in the wrong direction, stands in the wrong place, and then sits down there and makes it his or her home, dwells there. They make the wrong place their dwelling place. No wonder they are not blessed. How are we to be rescued from this unblessed state of being? By becoming someone who delights in the law of the Lord, and meditates on it day and night. These two lines are the hinge on which the rest of the psalm turns. They are the hinge between those who are not blessed and those who are. So let's dwell here for a bit and take note of a few things. First, I want us to note what it is the blessed and the righteous person meditates on and delights on. The NIV translation, New International Version, translates the object of meditation as the law. The Hebrew word translated there is the word Torah or Torah. That word, as you can see, can also be translated as direction, as teaching, as instruction. And I want us to notice this because I think we have often been taught or have learned in some way to think of the law as drudgery. Even the word law often has negative connotations today in a faith context. It sounds rigid, it sounds constraining, and it promises uh, to punish us if we break the law. But the psalmist doesn't see God's instruction as something to be dreaded. The psalmist sees it as something to delight in. That word can refer to something that is desirable, something that is pleasurable, even something that is longed for. That's quite a different picture, from drudgery to longing. And just to make sure the point is driven home about how the book of Psalms in particular feels about the law, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of Scripture, and uh, it's all about the law. Consider verses 97 and 148. Verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. There, that idea is again. And then 148, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Have any of us stayed up all night long meditating on Scripture? What does the psalmist know that we don't? This delight in, this love of God's teaching 
God's law is practically defined here and back in Psalm 1 as the act of meditating on God's law, meditating on God's word. And herein lies this nuance of dwelling that I want us to consider for today. We'll hit different nuances over the next few weeks. But today, to dwell, according to Psalm 1, is to delight in and to meditate on God's instruction. And for us, today, in our context, that means Scripture, both the Old and New Testaments as we refer to them. To dwell, then, is to dwell in Scripture. There are a few things to clarify here. Most importantly, we are talking about an invitation, not a command. We're talking about an invitation, not a command. We're talking about intention, not legalism. We are all at different places in our walks and our relationships with God, and we can only start from where we are. While it is true that an increasing, prayerful, thoughtful experience of Scripture will have a greater and greater impact on our lives. It is also true that the grace of God is sufficient for any of us in all of our weaknesses. It's not about earning God's favor. It's about enjoying God more deeply and more consistently. It's about being shaped more and more by the word than by the world. But we have to start wherever we can start. We can only start from where we are, or as we've said many times over the past few years, years, we are to do as we can, not as we can't. When it comes to dwelling in Scripture, meditating on Scripture, engaging Scripture, we are to do as we can, not as we can't. The best way for you to dwell in Scripture is the way, whatever way, is the most accessible and the most possible for you at this time in this stage of life. I'm thinking here of parents of young children. I'm thinking of parents with busy teenagers. I'm thinking of people who work long hours or two jobs. I'm thinking of people who are caring for an elderly parent or an ill loved one. No guilt, no shame. We do what we can, not what we can't. And God's grace will be sufficient. Another thing to clarify is that I don't think dwelling in Scripture means that we have to memorize passages or that we have to apply them, at least not the way we often understand that word. Yes, there are things to learn in Scripture that we can apply to our lives. And yes, it is a good thing to memorize Scripture if you're one of those people who's gifted that way. But the real goal of the life of faith is not to do all the right things. The real goal of the life of faith is to become the kind of person who will do these things as by second nature. The real goal is to be transformed so that the way of the righteous becomes both more desirable and more natural to us than the way of the wicked. It's not a challenge to go and do all the right things. It's an invitation to a new way of being, and it's within our reach. Several years ago, I was introduced to an app that was designed to use Scripture to help you deal with areas of your character that weren't quite yet in line with the character that you would expect of a spiritually mature follower of Jesus. I don't remember what the app was called. I hope it no longer exists. (laughs) But I signed up for an account, and I completed the survey. And one part of the survey was meant to help you identify what area or areas of life you most want Scripture to kind of speak to. 
what you're working on, you know is a, a weakness of yours. And that was easy for me, anger. So I filled it out. Told the app how often I wanted it to send me verses to help me with my anger. And I sat back and I waited for transformation. The next day, those verses began to pop up on my phone three times a day. I would be sent a passage or a verse on how to control my anger or why anger is a bad thing. I wasn't two days into that program and before I realized that really all these verses were doing was making me angry. So I deleted my account. You see, the app wanted me to apply these verses to my anger. But the real goal of the Christian life is to become the kind of person for whom anger is not the first response in every conflict or every disappointment. It's not about what I do or don't do. It's about who I am becoming. It's not about what I do or don't do. It's about who I am becoming. In the context of Psalm 1, becoming a blessed person means not getting and applying various verses to my anger three times a day, but responding to God's invitation to delight in and dwell in Scripture instead. That's what will lead to transformation. We meditate on Scripture to the degree that we can, and we allow that practice and the work of the Holy Spirit through it to transform us into people who are blessed. People who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who walk in the way of righteousness because we want to. I have been through a lot over the past few years in terms of my own growth, my own walk with God and learning to experience more victory over my own weaknesses and sins, but my transformation, such as it is, did not happen because I applied verses of Scripture to my life. It happened because I've been learning to dwell with God and to yield to God's initiative, God's work in my life. Put another way, I did not apply God's Word to my life. God applied God's Word to my life, and I cooperated. I yielded to God's work, not always. Not perfectly, but that was the key. After a bit of journeying on this path of transformation, Kim, my wife, noticed the ch some changes in me, especially as it related to my anger. She said to me uh, one time that there have been times in the past in my role as a pastor and a preacher where she would hear me preach and see me up on the platform preaching, and she would think to herself, how much she wished our children could see that version of me. That was hard to hear. But also encouraging. Listen, I did not change because of willpower. I changed. And I'm hopefully still changing because I promise you there's a lot of work to do. I change because of the grace of God. I change because God acted in my life and I yielded to God's work as best I could. I did what I could, not what I couldn't. We do as we can, not as we can. And 
That is about putting ourselves in places where we can hear and experience and know God and yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In today's context from Psalm 1, that is about dwelling in God's Word. Delighting in God's Word. Meditating on God's Word. You see, the goal is not to master Scripture, but to allow Scripture to master us. The goal is not to master Scripture. The goal is to allow Scripture to master us. Now, back to all those messages we hear each day. Online, in advertising, social media, and the like. As I said, these things are shaping us. These things are transforming us. They are discipling us. They are making us into their own image when God desires and intends that we would be remade into the image of Christ. What happens when the onslaught of the worldly message we receive each day begins to disciple us? We become something else. We become something less than what God intends and desires. And really, we become something less than what we desire in our heart of hearts. The messages we hear each day can cause us to dwell in other places. For me, as I said, when I'm not giving attention to God's word and the guidance of God's spirit, I dwell in anger. That is my go-to place. It is my prime weakness. And it does not help that our culture is teaching us to dwell in anger as well. Our culture is hell-bent on celebrating anger. Stoking it. Our culture is also teaching us to dwell in other places. See if one of these rings a bell for you. Yes, our culture teaches us to dwell, that it's good to dwell in anger. Our culture teaches us to dwell in fear. Our culture teaches us to dwell in shame. Our culture teaches us to dwell in greed or lust, just to name a few of the more obvious ones. Which one of those might be your go-to place, your dwelling place when you're not dwelling in God's word. If we are to follow the leading of Psalm 1 by delighting in God's word, there are several ways to do that. All of them important. First, we can delight in God's word simply by reading scripture with intention and openness. That's why we have invited you to intentional reading plans in the coming years. Several of those plans are linked in the Bible app live event that we have each week and will be for several weeks. And there is no doubt that we can also delight in God's Word by studying it. That is what some would refer to as informational reading. Informational reading of Scripture. It's what I do every week when I prepare to preach. Bible studies do it. Our Christian formation class down the hall each Sunday morning does it. I recommend it. But while informational reading is good and necessary, it is not sufficient in and of itself for cultivating our character as followers of Jesus. While informational reading is good and necessary, it is not sufficient by itself for cultivating our character as followers of Jesus. Informational reading alone is not sufficient for spiritual transformation. For that to happen, according to Psalm 1, we need to dwell in God's word by meditating on it. In contrast to informational reading, to meditate on scripture, to engage in it, 
in, in that way, is a formative reading of God's word. A formative reading of God's word. Such a reading is a prayerful reading, what Richard Foster calls reading with the heart. Now the way of many of us practice this kind of reading these days, here at ECC in a lot of places to be honest, is called Lectio Divina, Latin for sacred reading. I've linked our webpage on this sacred practice in the uh, Bible app live event, or you can simply go to the website that's on the screen there, ecclife.net slash Lectio Divina. You'll find a written guide there on how to practice uh, these things. You'll also, if you want, if you prefer, an audio guide recorded by Kate Cogswell, our Director of Women's Ministries and Spiritual Formation, as well as several Lexio Divina guided audio exercises. And my invitation is to you that if you do not already have this as a part of your personal practice, that you will experiment with meditation with Lexio Divina uh, once or twice this week. I've also linked uh, an app that many of us here at ECC use called Lexio 365. If you download that app, you can be led by someone uh, in a form of Lexio Divina each morning. Practice takes about 10 minutes. In contrast to whatever you and I are being shaped into by the culture in which we live, the psalmist gives us a picture of an alternate reality. An alternate reality. After the opening two verses, describing what the blessed person does not do, and offering up, delighting in God's word, and meditating it on uh, as an alternative, the psalmist gives us a beautiful and powerful image of what it can become. Verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams. That person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. When we meditated on this psalm in staff meeting a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kurt shared that when he was flying uh, to see his daughter Katie and her family over Christmas, he noticed something as he looked out the window. He had, of course, noticed this before, as most of us have, but now he did so with some intention, and he shared that with us. It was obvious from overhead, looking out the window at the landscape, where the rivers and the streams were before you could even actually see the rivers and the streams because there were trees along the shore, hugging the shore. And in season, those trees are fruitful and flourishing because they are rooted near the water. Whatever they do, prospers. Psalm 1 lays out two ways of living, two ways of being, the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. What it looks like to dwell in anger, fear, and shame, and what it can look like to dwell to delight in and to meditate on God's word. Which way sounds most inviting and pleasant to you? And where can you take steps this week? Not to cause these things to happen in your own life, but to yield to the work and the presence and the gift of God in Scripture and in prayer. The God who is always present and always at work. The God who cares more about your transformation than you could possibly imagine and the God who will do everything possible to make that a reality in your life. What one or two steps can you take? I want to close with a description of meditation from Dr. Bruce Demarest in his book, Satisfy Your Soul. And I want you to notice as I read it 
how he draws in the imagery from Psalm 1. And after that, I'm going to invite you just to a moment of silent prayer to allow the Spirit of God to speak, and then I will close us in prayer. This is what he writes. To meditate as a Christian is to cultivate the soil of the soul, which the traffic of the world compacts and hardens. It is the replanting of the word seed, the uprooting of sin's weeds, the nurturing of truth into fruitful activity. It is cooperating with God himself as he moves among us, his trees of righteousness planted by the river of the Spirit's living water. Would you join me in a moment of silence? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come speak to us and help us to hear what you were saying to us about these things today. Good and gracious God, we thank you that you have not left us here alone. That as good and wonderful it is that you would send your son to die and to save us from our sin and to save us from judgment, you have not stopped there. God, you have provided your word, you have given us your spirit, and you have given us a pathway that we might be transformed so that we too could walk in the way of righteousness, that we too could live truly blessed lives. God, I pray for each of us here in the room and online, for those who will view this service later, God, I ask that you would show us a step or two, that you would give us the courage, the hunger, the desire, the longing to delight in your word, to dwell in it as best we can, and to trust that you are at work in it, Lord. Transform us, we pray. Transform us as individuals. Transform us as households. Transform us as a congregation. Lord, may we be known as a forest of trees who dwell by the stream, rooted in your word, nourished and fruitful. May everything we do, God, as we take these steps, prosper. And may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.